This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forrester, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Well, hello and welcome back, my friend. And this week, I'm excited to bring in my friend, Mike Martin. So Mike has a podcast, Project Mindfully Outdoors. Man, is super amazing, very open, honest, transparent, um, super friendly. He's my fishing buddy that I've never fished with because he catches all the fish. And so he's that one friend that you always look at and go, uh, how many fish did you catch? And he hits his limit. <laughs> it's at least the way I imagine the fishing trip he and I would go on. So, uh, you know, but uh, Mike is a fantastic guy uh, writing his first book. So I'm excited to, to hear hear more about that one. Uh, it's about his daughter and the relationship, how they healed it. And I can totally appreciate that. And I'm sure, um, you know, that that's going to be something that resonates, uh, as well. So Mike, how are you doing today? My friend, I am doing fantastic, Mike. I'm really excited for our upteenth million conversation today. So (laughs) yeah, I'm like, you were very generous had me on project mindfully outdoors uh three times i believe the end of last year in uh, 2021 we have um fireside chats you know campfire chats just sitting there and and talking you know kind of freestyle what's going on what are goals what are challenges you know just being real and open and honest about what life's presenting and so I love those conversations, man. I appreciate you having me. So thank you, my friend. I'm glad to have you have you here as my guest this time. Absolutely. I think it's really cool that we're doing this on your platform for our fourth conversation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot of things that have changed and a lot of things that have developed. And I'm excited to share it all with you. Yeah, things happen quick in life. <laughs> they do. <laughs> Well, let's start out, Mike. How do things look on the uh, on the personal side of life? What does things look? What do things look like for you right now? Right now, I think the best way to put that would be starting a brand new chapter, mm. and it's it's a title that you could actually put the Marcus Aurelius quote that you never step twice in the same river, because here I am starting this chapter where circumstances dictated that I just lost my home again. And I've been here before about three or four years ago. My mindset is totally different. I'm healthy. I'm happy. I'm actually embracing and excited about this new opportunity. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to share. And, and as we've been talking is really highlight because so many times, I mean, things can just get us spun out and, um, you know, in our conversation, talking about where things are, you're just in this very strong, but like flexible place. And I really want it to, you know, be seen that it's like, things don't always have to be devastating. 
there is a tenacity, there is a strength that comes from putting in these daily habits, you know, healing from, from our past and what's going on and being in a place like you are now. And you and I talked and I, I asked you, I said, Mike, is this a good time to do it? And you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm open to sharing it and being real. So that's right. There's no better time. Yeah. Um, so what do things look like on, on the business side of life as far as work and stuff like that? Well, the still holding down the day job. So that's, that's got me bogged down. And then there's this new aspect that I added of actually becoming an author, mm-hmm. writing the first book. So now, just like when I got into podcasting, I had no idea what I was doing when I started it. I just knew that I needed to do it. And now I'm getting this opportunity to learn that stage. And as far as the podcast goes, we're just in the early stages of season two, which is continuing everything that we do there. But the cool part is we're beginning to expand our reach. And we're also beginning to work with different brands and different companies to not only put their message out there, but get them to back our message and help us reach a whole new aspect of what will be our community. So what, what is the passion and the drive and, you know, what you're, you're hoping to bring to people that listen, what's your focus there? To be quite frank, if I save one life and I prevent one person from walking down the same path that I did, then whether I hear about it or not, I've done my job. I've reached my goal. Yeah. And that's very much like in our conversations when we've talked both recorded and, and, you know, just off the mic. (laughs) Right. Um, And, you know, you know, honestly, to build on that, I believe it was the last conversation that you and I recorded for project mindfully outdoors mm -hmm. was probably a day or two after, or no, it was before I had the event that sparked me to write the book, mm. taking my daughter out to dinner and just sitting there, listening to her running around town with her and realizing that for all the years that I wasn't a part of her life, I robbed her and myself of that joy that I was experiencing and she was experiencing. So that inspired me to take the reason that I do project mindfully outdoors and write a book on that subject. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And that's something that's been very encouraging. I mean, since we first met was that was your heart in reaching your daughter in repairing and, you know, strengthening the relationship with her. It's like, this is really a fundamental thing for me, you know, was what, what I was getting for from you um, is that you wanted to, to have that, that relationship, that intimate, like genuine father daughter relationship um, where you could talk and she had that trust and, you know, just camaraderie is like not the word I'm looking for, but that trust. And as you were walking it out, it was like these, these milestones, almost, you know, like a victories in, in regaining ground that had been given away. And it was like, dude, just listening, like listening to your voice 
you know, we weren't doing video for those, but I could <laughs> hear it in your voice, the excitement and just the anticipation for the next time you got to hang out with her. Absolutely. So, and, you know, to bring things to today and mm -hmm. this current state, you could attribute uh, what I just experienced with her has another milestone that a kid has their first words because a year down the road, she is still yet to ask me any kind of questions. And just uh, about a week ago, I, in the truck on the way to wherever we were heading, she decided it was time to ask her first question. So I call that her first words. <laughs> nice. Very cool. Um, how, how have you gone about restoring the relationship? Because it was, it was really strained um when you first started and you know working in that direction right so what have you done to to draw her closer and to 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 heal things honestly i've made a commitment i made the commitment to myself and to her that when i say i'm going to be there or i'm going to do something i'm there you know i'm there anytime that you call on me anything that you need no matter what it is, you get a hold of me and I'll be there. And a lot of the principles that I've used along the path have been based on like stoic philosophy, just simple, simple logic that kept everything that was in my hand to be my focus. Everything external didn't really matter because the bottom line is she is exactly where the focus needed to be. And that's exactly where the focus has always been. There's been a lot of things to combat and overcome along the way, but I took each one of those things and instead of spir spiraling out of control with it, I approached it and I made that obstacle the way. So if a situation came up, say, um, you know, her mother was making things extremely difficult, then I would embrace that fact. And if her mom was attacking me in front of her or whatever, I wouldn't lose my temper. I wouldn't raise my voice. I would just speak to exactly what I was doing. And that was all. And I'm going to take it from the fact of speaking about stoicism and the way Ryan holiday, a big fan of him. I'm assuming he saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> just to, just a guess there. Cause my son is very much into him as well. And so, yes, uh, I have a, 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 what's the term I'm looking for? Vicarious. I get to vicariously learn through him, you know, about Ryan. Right. Um, you know, so very cool. Well, so you've got a lot of transition going on right now and yet yes. you're in the best place, like mentally that you've been. So kind of like, what, what are you doing? Um, to continue to keep yourself in a place of strength that like you wouldn't have, let's say two years ago or three years ago, what's different now is the mindset is, you know, just like I shared the example with my daughter, I focus solely on what's within my power to control the rest of that. You know, it doesn't really make a difference as far as the path, but I've also invested a lot of time within myself to find myself 
and learn how to take care of myself. And through that, it's strengthened me. It's built this confidence. And it's also brought out this um, ability to realize I can achieve things. And when I did that, then I realized, hey, you know, in the moment, even if things are looking down, I can make a plan and I can achieve them. In fact, I can give you an example. Today was actually a pretty, I don't know about rough, but it was a pretty intense morning. I, I wear contacts and I was overdue for my prescription. So the last pair that I had decided to crumble and made the first hour or two of trying to work pretty intense yeah. as in I could barely see. <laughs> so instead of just, you know, dealing with it, cowering in the corner, calling off, going to hide, I got out my phone and I found an eye doctor that happened to have an appointment, put it all together, took a couple hours off, you know, con contact uh, subscription renewed and we're all good to go. Got through the day. I don't think that four or five years ago, without putting in the time and practice, I would have been able, been able to pull it off. I probably would have just had a panic attack, ran off in the corner and just sat there and waited for somebody else to solve the problem. But I realized through the course of this chain of events and this path that the answers lay within all of us. And when you take the time to slow things down and just bite off little steps, little bite-sized pieces, you're able to problem solve and resolve whatever's in front of you. So how is it like you talked about four or five years ago going into the corner? How are you stepping away to, I guess, like assess things, to look at things and then be able to figure it out? Like how, what steps are you taking? Um, you know, for example, today, how did you step through that to be able to determine, Hey, I need to make this call. Okay. I'm going to make this call. Cause I mean, you've, you've taken action, but you've also made decisions to get to the point where the problem is solved. Like, can you walk me through a little more detail, like how you're, you're breaking things down into bite-sized pieces? I think there's a simple, there's a one word answer, but mm -hmm. then it kind of bridges off to a real complicated thing. And honestly, I've noticed a lot of my progress or things that I face and overcome is out of pure stubbornness. <laughs> I, can't, finally, I can't relate, Mike. I mean, come on, stubborn? What? <laughs> where it gets complicated is like, you know, you draw in, internally, everything is like overwhelming, feels scary, and you question everything you do. However, when you're the one that has to be concerned with the outcome, you kind of just suck it up and you walk the path. And like I said, you take the bite-sized pieces out of the, out of the steak and eventually you clean the plate and you've got yourself to that, whatever it is that goal was. Okay. So it's more or less your, you're not allowing yourself to look at the situation, be overwhelmed um, by everything between where you are and, and getting it completed. Is that accurate? That's, that's exactly it. Okay. And, you know, it's not to say that 
every single time it's a perfect outcome because it's going to take trial and error and you know the fear the anxiety all that stuff is going to hit you and it's okay after to process it and let it out because you can't that's something you can't hold on to and just carry with you yeah because eventually it's gonna explode and things are gonna get bad (laughs) and you know it's just keeping the mindset of this is what i have to accomplish and trusting within yourself that the answer and the solutions are there in front of you just slow it down and work your way through it gotcha well can we step back and kind of describe like what your journey looks like um because you've talked about anxiety and i know some of the stuff that you fought through but can we go back and kind of give a a picture of how things progressed and then um after we get through that i'd like to talk about what was the catalyst to get you to change but if we can step back a bit and just kind of give us a picture of you know who was mike in the journey to where you are now all right well if you go back more than four years ago uh mike would be somebody that was completely dependent upon other people basically from the way that i grew up i was taught to take care of somebody just rely on their judgment depression was something that was always really big to me too so anything that fed those negative thoughts that i already had i immediately immediately cling to it that led me through the course of two marriage two divorces over about 10 years and they built upon each other at the end of the first marriage i felt like i was a failure because i had lost the family that i had at the time and so on and so forth second marriage fed that and took me even lower then at the end of that marriage i found myself alone homeless everything was gone and the last words that was that were spoken to my face were I didn't deserve my family. I had nothing to offer them. That right there was the final trigger. And that night I retired to an old ground blind out in the woods and I tried to overdose. I woke up the next morning and in a complete blur, I just got up and I just went through the day. And at work, I was listening to a podcast called The Hunting Collective who featured Ryan Holiday that day, and he spilled off a bunch of quotes that really made me stop and think. And most importantly was those last words to my face, that I didn't want to leave that behind for my kids, to think, you know, my dad didn't do anything and was just a failure. If I could take the fact that I was homeless with nothing, rebuild then they would see that not only can I do it, but they can do it too. Through the course of that, I started reading a lot more. I started spending a lot more time in my journals. I got into talk therapy and I developed mindfulness and really leaned heavily on the outdoors. And those things all came together and they built 
who I am now, which yes, I still have my things that I'm working on. However, I'm very passionate about what I do and how I feel. And I feel much stronger and able to convey those things. And that's how I rolled into Project Mindfully Outdoors. That's how I rolled into becoming an author. All things that I never were on my radar and never thought I could achieve. And what's really ironic, the really ironic part about the fact that I'm hosting a podcast is the fact that I had this phobia of, of interaction with people and coupled with social anxiety. It's something that's always been there that I wasn't really fully understanding of. And in the years leading up to my 30s, so my teens and my 20s, I spent a lot of years in and out of bands. Always suffered with the performance anxiety. In fact, I never played a show that somehow I didn't manage to hurt myself. I always had an instrument to hide behind. Now, here I am, all these years later, I don't have that instrument. I only have my voice. And that voice, through work, through effort, and really learning myself and accepting myself, is now loud and out there for everybody to hear and understand that these things are possible. If I can do them, and I'm just a simple person, just like anybody else, but if I can do these things, then you can too. One. So you've got the social anxiety that you're working through. How did you, I mean, you're wanting to start the podcast, but wanting and stepping through that, that anxiety is, you know, two totally different things. Like how did you walk yourself through that situation to actually press play and do an interview? And then the bigger part, release it. Like, what did that look like? It looked like a, uh, about a four month long process. Cause I, <laughs> I had, uh, originally planned out to, uh, start the podcast during our, um, opening weekend of archery season. I was going to record my first thing. I had written all this stuff cause I had been doing a blog beforehand and I had written this like perfect tribute to my grandfather. However, I got sick and took me a little while to recover. By then it was probably January, maybe February that I said, you know what? I'm going to revisit the podcast thing. I really wanted to work this into it. So I don't care how scared I am. I'm going to force myself to do it. And I just hit record, fell on my face, made my first episode, said, you know what? I'm going to put it out there. It doesn't matter what happens with it. I'm going to just do it. And probably about four or five episodes into it, I started to find a little niche that I felt okay with. And that's when I started to think about it a little bit. And I still, even to this day, there's very select episodes that I'll listen back to after I put them together. But the ones that I do, which actually I've listened to ours a couple of times, they seem to hit me with something. And um, when I started doing the interview process, it was because I had hit a stage where in therapy, we had started talking about dealing with social anxiety, learning to accept it and interact with it and be able to do things with other people. So, so since my podcast was featuring my story, I said, you know, it makes sense to put that in there. And um, 
I hooked up with Tim Holloway and just so happened to hit it off and we had a great conversation. From there, I was like, you know, doing the voice thing is okay. I can get over that. That's step one. Step two, I started doing the video interaction. And um, step three is going to be face-to-face at some point where I hook up with somebody. We do some uh, fishing or some hunting and put together whatever. There's really no actual plan here. It's just kind of coming together. And that's what I think I feel safest and funnest in with it. Now, it sounds like very much what, what you've described as far as going and getting your contacts, right? Solving that problem is how over a longer period of time you handle the podcast. You step yes. into an area, you know, bid it off, worked on it and continue from there. Is that kind of the way you see the way things have progressed in that? I do. And I could actually uh, take you all the way back to the beginning of that whole path yeah, would be when, when things first fell apart and I had first had that major upheaval. It would be, I'd go to work, and at the end of the day, when you'd have to decide what to get for dinner, I couldn't do it. I couldn't make that decision. It would get so bad to the point that I would either sit in a parking lot, have my anxiety attack, and just say, forget it. Or even after settling on a restaurant, getting in the drive-thru, getting up to the speaker, and just saying, you know what, I can't do this and leave. And that was probably about a month worth of a daily struggle. Finally, I got stubborn and I said, you know what? I really need dinner tonight. So (laughs) I'm going to settle on that burger and it doesn't matter. And I got through it. And then I think that was probably one of the points that was the initial learning that I can do things and that I can trust my own decisions. And then have you seen that kind of become like an easier task or more of a familiar task as you've gone along and been practicing it along the way? I mean, as far as like, you know, with the contacts, was it more of an expected process and you just kind of jump into a a role in an action? Definitely uh, practice makes (laughs) (laughs) semi-perfect. Yeah, I got you there. Hey, I do want to jump back. You said like when you were listening to Ryan Holiday, there were some quotes that he had shared. Do you mind sharing a couple of those that impacted you at that point in time? Well, one of them is actually one that I'm really drawing on right now to stay in the positive mindset is the fact that where a man can live, a man can live well. And if you build on the way that Marcus Aurelius wrote it, if a man can live on a palace in a palace, then he can live in a palace well. In my case, if I can live in my situation, mm-hmm. being that I'm staging and getting ready to set up a long-term camp, then I can live well in that. I can flourish and I can make it mine and be happy with it. And then the one that really got the ball rolling was about adversity being the opportunity for you to find out what's within you to showcase who you truly are. And I know I butchered that one, but that's okay because it's the principle that counts. (laughs) Exactly. You know, I mean, in the end, the obstacle is the way. And as you face the adversity, you get to really forge who you are 
and you learn that security within yourself because if you don't have to face challenges, you don't know what you're capable of. Yeah, that's so, so true. And I, I think it's like, we're going to face challenges regardless. We might as well uh, utilize them to our benefit, you know, instead of being crushed right. by them. Um, right. So with the journey, like that you've experienced, you know, in healing with your daughter, how did things start out? I mean, was, was she like, totally open to it or were you facing you know some kind of apprehension like how did you how did you start working through things in the beginning um i had originally had two plans the first plan was because i I wanted this all to be on her terms Mm -hmm. so plan a was i would reach out to her through uh what wound up being her aunt and i was told that she wasn't interested And plan B was to go through the legal process. And when I got to that part, the uh, referee that I spoke to, you know, handed me exactly what I asked for because yes, there was a custody order. However, it had been nine years. So I was more than willing to be flexible and I just wanted to be face to face with her. And I was given two hours with her every Saturday. Now, walking into that first meeting, I had uh, had to have interaction with her mother, who built up the situation that my daughter didn't want to be there and was begging that not have to be. Now, that built up my anxiety and, you know, that negative voice. And I compared it to the thought of walking into that park being like Davy Crockett in the Alamo. He had such a strong message that he was fighting for, regardless, knowing that he was going to die, he still fought on. And though my daughter could have stabbed me and thrown me in the river that day, my message was just as strong to me that it had to be dealt with and done. Now, when I finally met her, the very first thing that she asked was if she could have a hug. Completely contradictive to what I was told. And for two hours, I listened to her entire life story. And I told her about me. I delivered my message. Fast forward seven days later, I received a text message asking if I could show up six hours early. Okay. Six hours early. I'll be there. Now, mind you, I show up at 10 a.m., And I leave the park at 8 p.m. So I had a full day. (laughs) And that's how these things have kind of progressed is all this different, like, shock and awe. Essentially, I've uh, compared it to all the different stages and milestones that a child goes through. Because I've seen all these different things that I wasn't expecting. And we've just built along the way. And over time, we've gotten comfortable with each other. We've gotten used to each other. And like I shared earlier, she's starting to open up and ask some questions, which is, you know, completely normal and things that definitely have helped us and bring us together. There's little pillars that I put in there, little extras that she's now grown to become accustomed to 
that are actually a part of her routine in her life. And through all of that, the whole picture has shifted. I no longer have confrontations with her mother where she tries to get me to run away. Instead, she, you know, is giving me free reign and free access to my daughter anytime that I want her or I have time to get her. So we've definitely got the initial uh, virtues of like trust and connection and things are things are progressing. I don't know where they progress from here, but <laughs> yeah, you and I don't have a crystal ball, so we just keep going one one step at a time, one day at a time. That's um, it. So if I'm understanding, is you persevered through this in being intent, you know, intentional and in I don't want to say insistent, but persistent in getting to, you know, to spend time with your daughter and, and work to heal that relationship. Um, it sounds like then the relationships around like, you know, your, your ex-wife, I'm assuming other family members have also watched. Are you see, seeing the other relationships as you're healing this one, them also kind of become more curious and want to heal as well? Yes, I've definitely seen the change there as well, which I have to admit was not part of the plan and, you know, still feels really strange. However, it's helping, you know, the, the greater good, the core purpose, which is facilitating that relationship with my daughter. So yeah, you got to take the byproducts of it as well, I guess. Right. <laughs> I don't think there's any complaints <laughs> on that. It's like, healthy you know restored relationships all the way around i mean who doesn't write that um so i have gone through having strained relationships with my children as well where you know there was a a lot of distance um you persevered you know in getting in contact and sharing your message and and you know sharing your life how would you guide me if I was still back in that time of, of having a strained relationship, how would you guide me to, to persevere like you did in, you know, being present and patient? How, how would I go through that, Mike? Well, I think the very first thing that you have to slow down and really wrap your mind around is the fact that each event that's going to happen through this process is an event that you need. Because it's going to be able to give you an opportunity to showcase exactly who, you know, your intent for one and who you are and what you, you know, what's behind you and what's really driving you. Now, I fought all kinds of, or I, I came up against all kinds of fight resistance and everything else. However, the intent and the reason that I did it, the motivation was very pure. So that's what came through, and that really helped a lot. Secondly, is that word consistency that we've touched on. You know, you, you, for one, the child did not ask to be born. They did not ask to not have you there. And most certainly, if you're the one making contact, odds are they didn't ask for you to come back. So if you're going to do those things, 
and you make the effort, which you very well should, then you have to stand behind the commitment. It doesn't matter if your your visit comes up in, you know, there's a baseball game to go to, or there's, you know, it's it's the rut and the deer are running wild. <laughs> They're gonna have to wait because you've made the commitment, you gave your word. And one one principle that I always looked at this whole thing through is I only get one chance because if you break that word once, you're going to make a habit of it. it. May not be every single time, but you got to build the pattern. They got to be able to learn to trust that. And as they begin to trust that, then they'll start to, you know, accept it. And when they get the acceptance, that's where everything else starts to come. And what may feel like a very bleak, scary situation probably guaranteed to be some of the hardest work you'll ever do will bring you some of the most rewarding and fulfilling memories and experiences, not just for yourself, but for that child. And those are things that the child deserves because you brought them into the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what have been some of the practices where our practices, you know, as far as like habits, routines, you know, just um, things that you've put into place in your life that are helping you stay on track, that are keeping you with that positive perspective, you know, keeping you, you know, from like you talked about spiraling. What are some of those right. things that, that keep you in the place that you're at now? Well, I'm a writer, <clears throat> obviously, and I love to write. But you don't have to be a writer in order to use this very, very fun fundamental aspect, journaling. Because it, can, it doesn't have to be complicated. You can do it as simple as one or two words at a time. But when you do that, you begin to open up your thoughts. You begin to organize your thoughts a little bit. And what's more important than that is that since there's no audience to judge you, you get to bring out the honesty. And what that leads to is something that before I started this, this path, I never held myself to, which was a standard. And I built this standard through my journaling, through meditation, and finding my values, which I which are also called virtues. And when you live by those things, you begin to really develop this, like just happiness within yourself because you're finding exactly who you are. You're finding your voice. And as you, as your voice gets stronger and stronger, there's less things you'll find that can meet that. Now, Along the path, it's been a lot of learning how to tame the negative dialogue of that voice. But that has come through a combination of journaling and also standing in front of a mirror and actually having conversations out loud with myself. They feel awkward at first, but it's something that through practice does the same exact thing as 
journaling. You may not have it to look back upon to read your progress, but your thoughts, they store within you and you'll be able to refer back to that. But then again, I also do a lot of reading and a lot of my reading consists of a lot of nonfiction things like different historical people, obviously a lot of philosophy. And when I meditate, I like to reflect on those kind of things. Now, meditation is something that for me, well, really for anybody, there's no right or wrong. It doesn't look the same for every single person. In my case, a lot of my meditation is done in the outdoors. Now, it doesn't have to necessarily be in the field, you know, sitting on a deer blind, standing on the boat or standing on the shoreline. It's just a matter of being outside, getting that fresh air. And that fresh air, when you're sitting there, it's going to make you want to get up and start moving. So you get that physical interaction. And when you start getting all that together, that's where you start putting pieces together. And you start building a staircase. And as you're climbing that, you're going to find new tools that nobody's going to be able to take away from you. And one of the key things that have come out of that is where I would have so much self-doubt beforehand because everything around me was given to me or I acquired with the help of somebody else. All of these things now, all these tools, all these things around me, I've put there myself because I've earned them. And I can no longer question that. And that's where that real sense of self-worth comes from. So you said you're reading books, you know, to, to help you and, and, you know, help you grow along the way. What are like two or three books that have been just really foundational for you as you've gone through this over the last few years, helping you to, to grow and, you know, strengthening your mindset? Um, let's see. I, I think the obvious one is where it started. The obstacle is the way <laughs> by Ryan holiday. And then that one has really led me down this like uh, rabbit hole of the different philosophy books, especially the stoicism ones where I'd say my favorite two, obviously meditations by Marcus Aurelius. And then the letters from uh, Seneca Lucilius. And the reason is, is I find those two to be very intriguing and very interesting characters. But then again, I've gone back and I've started diving into like um, the old children's books of the, uh, the tall tales, like American myths and legends, like Paul Bunyan and so on, just because they're able to uh, spark like that childlike mindset where everything is like so huge and you're like, wow, that is so mystifying of a story that these things happen. And the reason I got in, got back into those was with my son. I've been kind of sharing different things and reading little different pieces to him. And it made me start to think about the morals and the, the reason of the story. Because uh, one thing that really intri- is intrigued me a lot is the fact that as human beings, we have this amazing gift and skill called storytelling. It looks different throughout the generations as it gets passed down, but the morals and the purpose of the story are always the same. And 
that really leads me to uh, the time right now that we're sitting here recording this is around the time that I lost my grandparents who raised me. And it's really strengthening and really bringing back that connection. So that's really helping fuel the uh, more positive mindset that I'm in right now with all the transitions. So a lot of it ties together. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, no doubt. It's, it's almost like building up like a, a suit of armor. They interconnect and strengthen you, um, you know, by practicing and using them and continuing to, to learn. Right. Um, well, Mike, I want to say thank you. We're, we're almost at the end of our time here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, how can people connect with you beyond the podcast here? All right. Well, you can find Project Mindfully Outdoors on just about every podcast directory there there is there's spotify apple and the list goes on and on you can also find uh project mindfully outdoors at project mindfully outdoors.wordpress.com on uh, instagram and facebook project mindfully outdoors i'm mike martin and you can also hit us uh an email at project mindfully outdoors at gmail.com it's all pretty simple it ties right together yeah I was going to say, look for a brown background with a big deer and huge antlers. Um, yes. <laughs> it's the one and we later need to on, find. <laughs> later on this year, look for the book, which is going to be called No One is Beyond Redemption. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Which you I'm can also find on Facebook. Yes. Yeah. I'm looking forward to reading that one, Mike, because it's like the conversations we've had and just the joy that I've seen. Um, in you, you know, as, as it's gone along, I've gotten to see like both, you know, the struggle in it, but the elation of, you know, how things go, uh, as time went along. So super excited for the book, man. Congratulations. Thank you. And you know what, as we, uh, bring this to an end and we keep touching on the book, I got to thank you for the, uh, inspiration and the motivation that actually kind of get touched in there a little bit. Well, I appreciate it, my friend. I mean, you're, you did the heavy lifting, but uh, I'm glad our conversations <laughs> could bring that about. So my yes. pleasure. All right. Well, Mike, thank you very much, my friend. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to. It helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode. And remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one.